Um, is my mic on? Yeah, can you, can you hear me? Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, let's get, oh, now I'm really on. Um, so we're continuing our talk about the temple of God, and uh, um, I keep getting the questions. It's actually the second time this week I've got the question, why are we doing the temple? Um, and, well, 5% of the Bible speaks about the temple of God, how to build it. That's about the same size as the book of Psalms, just to put it in perspective. So it's an important part. But here's the thing. I think some of us think that this temple that was built was God's house. It wasn't actually God's house, even though he lived there, his presence was there. It was actually a system of worship. You see, to get to know God and how to interact with him, he designed this elaborate temple to kind of show people how best to interact with him. Now, we've got Jesus, so we don't think about the temple anymore, and we've moved on from that. But actually, that's really important. If you want to know Jesus, you're going to have to know how to connect with God. What's God really about? Who is he? What's, what, what's his deal? And I used last week the example of houses and homes, and I've gone into a couple of homes again this week and get little tidbits about people's personalities and likes and dislikes. You know, when you walk into a hallway and you see photos of friends and family or, or um, you know, you know, big, giant television screen, which is the envy of all. Um, you can see things like that, and it also kind of lets you know a little bit about yourself as well and what you like and dislike. It's an interesting house that God's created for us to interact with him. And as you enter into his place, unlike a hallway where you'll see photos and all, the first thing you encounter is this brazen altar, this altar of repentance. And we talked a little bit about this last week. And so the whole point of me helping you through this, understanding what the temple is, is so that you can maybe put some things into your own lives some disciplines to help you connect with God consistently. I do a lot of counseling for couples in particular. And tonight there's the uh, Alpha Marriage course and they'll learn some stuff there as well. But the whole point of it is how to connect with your partner better. And many of us, I've heard many people tell me, I just don't feel God, I don't connect with God. And then the question becomes, well, what, what are you doing to connect with him? Well, I'm praying so hard. Is that how God wants you to connect with him? Who is God? How can we connect with him better? The brazen altar tells us one very important factor when you enter into God's presence is that repentance is actually a very big deal. It's such a big deal that he sent his son to die for us so that we can enter his presence without having to burn any offerings or anything like that. The cross stands as a testimony to that sacrifice. So when we enter into a church, the prominent feature that we see should be the cross, the brazen altar where Jesus gave his life for us and allows us to enter into God's presence. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't repent. Actually, even more so, knowing the sacrifice of what Jesus has made for us. Today we're going to be looking at the bronze basin. 
Now, uh, this is a photo, well, photo, I was going to say, this is a photo um, of the tabernacle. Um, it's a little faded. Uh, it's quite an old photo. Um, it's a drone photo, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, someone asked me, and, and so that's the tabernacle. This is the temple, uh, Solomon's temple. So it gives you an idea. You walk in, the first thing you see is that brazen altar with the smoke coming up. Of course, it's far more elaborate when it comes to the temple. Right after it, there's this bronze basin, this big water tub thing, right? And uh, someone asked me earlier this week, they said, what's the difference between the tabernacle and the temple? Well, the only difference really is that the tabernacle was a tent and it moved around with the people when they were moving around. So it was easier to set up and pull down when the people moved, when they were in the desert for 40 years. But when they finally came into Canaan and they had their land in Jerusalem, they were able to then actually build a proper fixed place. And of course, it's far more elaborate because you don't have to pick that up and carry that everywhere, right? So that's really just the difference between the two. Same purpose. Same thing. So, the bronze basin, um, I think it's in um, Exodus chapter 30, verse 17, where uh, it's a lot longer than 17, but anyway, starting from verse 17, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Aaron and his sons, who were the priests, are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Okay, I think they'll wash. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. Whoa. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for the generations to come. Can you imagine coming home to your parents' place for dinner and you sit down at the table and mom's like, have you washed your hands? No, go or you will die. Man, you'd be out the door washing really quick, wouldn't you? It's pretty serious, isn't it? You've got to be like totally clean to not only handle everything that you're handling, but also when you go into the tent of meeting, or which is the holy place. This washing thing is kind of important, I guess. So what does it mean? How does that impact us today? One thing we miss sometimes with Jesus is we miss the connections with the Old Testament. Because Jesus does this great thing. He fulfills not only everything in, in the Old Testament, but he doesn't just stop it there. He gives us examples to live by. And when you go into, you know, that Thursday evening where Jesus is with his disciples, the Last Supper, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up uh, from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began washing his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but you will understand. And we kind of turn this story into, a, yeah, yeah, this is all servant heart and all this and that, but we miss the connection to the basin back at that holy temple. This cleansing act is not just an act of servanthood, it's an act of cleansing. And it's fascinating because Peter, after Jesus has ascended, he gets the whole picture. In fact, he kind of turns the tables on the whole thing and he says this in 1 Peter 2.5, he goes, you also, like living stones, are being built into what? To the temple, basically. To be a holy priesthood, to be Aaron and his sons, offering what? <laughs> 
He's got the picture now. It all connects for him now. It makes sense. That's the temple, and now we're living it. We are part of that. We are that holy priesthood. We are offering those spiritual sacrifices acceptable to who? To God. Which, by the way, not to each other. Doesn't matter how cool Rob looks on the base. It's got nothing to do with that. It's not, he looks good. It's all about him. All about him. What we do isn't to make ourselves look good or make ourselves feel good. So the question you've got to be challenged with is, what are your spiritual sacrifices? What are they? As you enter into his presence, what are your sacrifices? A question for you. Anyone know the answer to this question? What were mirrors made out of 3,000 years ago? Bronze. Polished bronze. What was the basin made out of? In Exodus 3.8, they made the bronze basin and its bronze stand from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So when you went in to wash your hands, what did you see staring back at you? Yourself. You see yourself. Sometimes we're so focused on the cleaning part that we don't just look beyond because it's not just about clean hands or clean feet. It's about what's going on inside. The basin is the place you face yourself. You see, when it came to the altar that brazen altar. That's where salvation happens. That's where the sacrifice is made. That's Jesus. Well done. Great. We're saved. Repentance at the cross. Done. But sanctification happens at the basin. Anyone know another word for sanctification? Discipleship. Growing to be more like Jesus. It was a hard task for a priest who had to wash their hands every moment because there were a lot of people coming in and every time they did a sacrifice, they had to go back to the basin and wash their hands and look at themselves as they're doing it. Go back, do a sacrifice, go back, go into the... So it wasn't just once a day or twice a day, sometimes it was a hundred times a day that they were confronted with themselves. We don't have to do that. But we're still called to look inwardly because there's this thing See, the talons of sin are deep. We think that once we're saved, we're good. We're right, no problem. But that doesn't eliminate my sinful nature. That doesn't take away broken Rob. It actually is a lot of hard work to fix broken Rob. It begins with the cross. Point one. And then as I am shaped and molded into Jesus, that's hard work. That's constantly looking inwardly. That's not something that anyone else can help us with sometimes. Through the washing, we reflect 
what sin or sins continue to make you dirty? What, what, what's still got its grip on you? You may have found salvation at the foot of the cross, and hallelujah. You are saved. We have hope. But we don't stop there. Because if we're truly saved, we want to be more like our Savior. And that's a hard journey. That's a mirror that we look at daily. And for most of us, we don't like what what we see. Proverbs says, a face is reflected, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. James talks quite a bit about in his book. But it's just not good enough to just believe. Yeah, it's a challenging book and it's challenged a lot of theologians over the years. It's all about grace. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. But if grace is actually working, then the outpouring of it works within us. So we've got to show that, don't we? The brazen altar is about repentance. The bronze basin is about reflection. It's stopping daily to look inwardly. Look, I, I love it because I, I do interact with quite a number of you during the week and, and a lot of you do your verse a day or your little devotions, which is wonderful. I, I want to negate that. But I feel like sometimes it's a checklist that we do. I've done my verse a day, I've, I've opened my Bible, I've read it, closed, and then I go on with my life. And maybe something in that verse a day kind of hits you, sometimes it doesn't, it's a good word, we've forgotten about it two days later. But the whole reflection point is not about that. It's actually stopping and looking deepward, inwardly and being challenged by who you are. How has your day been? How was your morning, by the way? I don't know about you guys, I was up at 5.30 and I hate it because I have to go to the bathroom. And then I can't think about going back to bed because it's 5.30 and the, well, my alarm goes at 6. So I've lost half an hour of sleep. So I'm already in a bad mood. So I might as well have a shower, get ready, come to work at 7 o'clock and I look around, it's totally empty in here. There's no one out in hut except for the old person like me who's most probably as grumpy as I am. I haven't had my coffee. Anyone wake up like that this morning? And I'm supposed to lead this morning. You get to sit down and listen to me. That's looking inwardly. It's actually being a bit embarrassed about yourself sometimes. Spiritual Discipline 101, we talked about repentance and we talked about the sacrament of communion. We're actually coming into God's presence and Paul added this to the whole communion thing. He didn't just stop at breaking bread and drinking wine. He then took it a step further and said, you need to examine yourself before you come to this table. And I gave a challenge to you all last week, and only one life group's come back to me. So I guess many of you are not interested in repentance. Because I said, we can't do this weekly. You can't rely on me or on Lisa or on Andy to make communion happen for you every week. And one home group has put their hand up. Thank you. And they're going to do it every fortnight. 
And that's not to say life groups aren't doing anything. Actually, you're all quite busy. I get that. But that is a great opportunity for us to find a space of repentance in our lives. Spiritual, uh, spiritual discipline 102 is reflection, self-examination. Now, this one, I'm not sure I can help you with. This is actually something you need to do for yourself. We can set up a communion space, and we can do that together so we can get 101 done, so we can get repentance happening more in our lives. But self-reflection, you need to take some time out for that. But I will give you a little bit of a tool to help you with it, something you can take home, and, you know, I do this before I go to bed. Not every night, I've got to be honest. But I try to. I really do. And that's called um, what St. Ignatius of Loyola called an examen. Examens are cool. Unfortunately, today, there's about a million different types of them. Examens for all types of things. But the original examen was actually written for kids to connect with God. Loyola thought, how can I get kids to engage with God in their day? And some people saw it and they said, oh, hang on a sec. That's not just for kids. We need this for ourselves. So what started out as a Sunday school thing 600 years ago now has an examen for all sorts of things. But the primary essence of the examen is self-reflection. You start off with an acknowledgement. Acknowledge God. You've gone through a whole day, you've done a whole load of things. Have you thought of God at all during your day? Have you stopped to acknowledge his presence in your life? Sometimes we go for a week. I know I do, I might be working for him, but that doesn't necessarily mean I acknowledge him. God's presence, acknowledge it. Then ask, God, open me up to this day. Give me the grace to see what this day was like in your eyes. And as I reflect on what I've done, review it. Review the moments of the day. Recall your feelings. Just take a moment. This is not a long thing. It only takes a few minutes. Sit back and just review your day. What was it like? How did you feel? You need to go on, reflect. Reflect on what you did, what you said, and actually, what's going on inside you? I woke up yesterday, early enough to think I've got to go do some work at Alan's place, but it was raining. So what do I do? So I went and had breakfast with the guys, we have a group of us that meet on a Saturday morning. That was all good. Get back home. One of the wheels on my model planes, the rubber had come off. So I spent the next three hours trying to get this little rubber thing with my big fat fingers. And I'm not kidding you, it was about that big. Into this little wheel well. And poor old Monica running back and forth with super glue and magnifying glasses. And I can't even tell you the language that came out of my mouth. It was Italian. By the afternoon, I was starving. 
So I did the really bad thing of ordering KFC. Sat down and watched some highlights of football. Monica went out with a friend. Bella went out with the youth group. I was at home, read a book, and I was about to go to bed. I was alone at home, it was quiet, it was lovely. And then I stopped and thought, God, I haven't even thought of you today. I haven't even stopped to acknowledge you. It was a good day, it wasn't too bad. I did get the wheel on the wheel well. The plane looks cool. Yeah. But I didn't acknowledge a moment of my day with God. How was I feeling? Oh, a bit frazzled. Sorry about being impatient with an inanimate object and kind of taking it out on Monica in some ways. I've been trying to lose weight, so sorry I slipped and went and bought KFC. I shouldn't have done that. Regretted it immediately after I ate it, which is always the case with KFC. I had to just stop and reflect. What's going on inside? I felt a little bit for my friend who really wanted to work on his garden and his yard. Couldn't get it done because of the rain. He'd been waiting for weeks to get it done. I lifted it all up to God. I went into prayer. I gave it all to him. And then I prayed for tomorrow, for today. I said, God, you're going to meet with a whole bunch of family in the morning. I pray that they're able to hear what I'm going to be sharing. I pray you're able to use me. And I pray I'm a bit more patient. A bit more self-controlled. Simple thing. I tell you, it took me five minutes. Do that daily. It's like going into the basin, water there, looking at yourself, washing yourself, and laying your head down. That's the excellent. So I've given you two tools these last two weeks. First one, repentance. If you find that difficult to do, well, that's okay. We're going to do our best here at Hutt City Baptist Church to do communion as often as we can. If we can get it up to weekly, that'd be great. And that will give you an opportunity to just stop as you come to that table. And if not, do it during the week in your reflections. And spiritual discipline 102, the second thing I'm giving you, and that's self-reflection. Just a moment in your day, at the end of it. Some of you are great journalists, you got it good. You really got it good because you at least got some sort of written account. Many of us aren't good at that. That's okay. Just take a moment to reflect. Because the next step is coming into that holy space. This is just the preliminaries of entering God's presence, these two. So I call them 101 and 102. These are the courtyard entrances. Now, next week, we're going to be entering into that holy place. And I'm going to give you another spiritual discipline to work on. It's kind of like a diet program, right? Getting you fit for God. That sounds kind of cheesy, but... It's getting you fit for God. I mean, that's literally what we're trying to do here. We've spent 12 weeks doing a waff on ourselves. And now... I want to give you some tools that you can say, yeah, I think I can do that. Yeah, I, I, 
Amen? Amen. <laughs> I asked the music team to come up and be on the stage with me because I've got to be with them too. Um, take a moment to reflect for yourself. You know, maybe your reflection today is not going to be something that's happened today because we're only halfway through the day, but reflect what your week has been. But don't reflect just so much on all the activities and stuff. Reflect on who you have been this past week. Take a moment to step back. Imagine yourself looking into that bronze laver, that reflection of yourself coming back. You've come away from that cross, the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus, what he's done for you. You acknowledge the sin. Who are you? How have you been? Tim's going to sing this last song. You, you can stand with us or you could just stay seated and just reflect. That, that's okay too. Don't be pressured because everybody else is standing around you. Take a moment.